You're listening to K-Star and the Vera Networks. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and glad to have you along for the ride, no matter where you're listening from, whether you're hunkered down in Columbia, South Carolina, listening to WCETFM, or if you're listening over at the last frequency, possibly uh, hanging out over at the Vera Network and tuned in and various other platforms, or if you're listening with the newest member of the Tap into the Truth family, the K Star Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for being here, of course, live. But if you're listening to the podcast after the fact, 
thank you as well. Uh, appreciate it either way. All right, we're looking to have a pretty uh, jam-packed show tonight, uh, assuming that the storms going on all across the country don't knock us off the air at some point. So fingers crossed, and we'll do what we can. Uh, scheduled to have uh, two first-hour guests. First, we'll be talking with Dave Gentry. Uh, you'll probably know him from the Red Ship Companies. Uh, he's uh, made quite the name for himself. Uh, we'll be on. We'll be discussing uh, the red chip companies and their defense of free speech on college campuses. We we'll, should have some interesting conversation there. Then we have documentary filmmaker as well as author Joel Gilbert. Uh, he's got a lot to say about the fact that the Democrats have decided that Chicago's going to host the DNC's nomination convention uh, in 2024 because he's been pushing a theory. He's got an idea, and he thinks that plays right heavily along into that idea. It's one you've probably heard before, but I'm not going to waste it and spoil it here. Stay tuned. You'll have to wait and hear. Also, after that, we are scheduled to be joined by the coolest, unapologetic, black conservative on the planet, or at least that's his tagline, <laughs> the host of the Rod Eccles Show. Rod Eccles is going to join us. It's been a while since he's been on, and I am definitely looking forward to speaking with him. So, with all of that having been mentioned... That means we have some time together before we get all started and kicked off. And before I jump into any type of story to discuss with you, I think we better address our first sponsor of the night. I'm talking about, of course, forpatriots.com. And for Patriots right now is definitely wanting to make sure that you are aware of some very serious information. And, of course, Doug is showing me his solar bug light, and that's a heck of a, a solar bug. I got the sidekick the other day. Uh, I'm testing it out. I haven't had a chance to do much with it yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to doing more things. Uh, it came fully charged, which is really cool. has the solar panels for recharging, plus you can uh, use a car cigarette lighter to charge it. You can use uh, a regular plug-in. It's really, really cool. Uh, and so far, all I've done, though, is charge my cell phone. So I, I'm going to put it uh, to some tests over the course of the weekend, and I'll have more to report then. But what they want to make sure you know, and you need to know in order to be prepared, is the fact that right now China is hoarding massive amounts of foods. According to several people who are in the know, we're seriously looking at China uh, having – put stockpiles of nearly two-thirds of the world's corn reserves, about half of the rice reserves, and about half of wheat. So you have to ask the question, what is it that China knows that we don't? I've mentioned before, if you're a regular listener, that China is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to global food shortages because they are the world's number one food importer. So what does that mean for average, everyday, normal Americans like you and me? Well, two words, and you need to be prepared for these two words, food shortages. And that's why it's a really smart idea right now to go out there and stock up on the best-selling for Patriot Survival Food Kits. Create your own stockpile the way you want to build it. These <clears throat> survival food kits are hand-packed in the United States of America. The kits are compact and they're easily stackable, 
for when you need to put it in a confined space for storage. They're rated to last for 25 years. If you open one up, though, it's not likely to last 25 minutes because they taste great. In fact, they have a ton of five-star reviews about the flavor. They literally just rave and rave about the taste of this product. So right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase of the four Patriot Survival Food by typing in code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Just go to fourpatriots.com, use the code TAP to get 10% off your first purchase of the Survival Food Kits. That is the number four patriots.com use promo code tap t-a-p-p to get that 10 percent off okay so we're going to talk a little bit about the general topic with rod a little bit later but i can't let what the most terrible of all time white house press secretaries miss corinne jean-pierre had to say on the topic you see today and time of the live broadcast, uh, the date happens to be April 21st, 2023. Today, today, Jean-Pierre, Corinne Jean-Pierre, who got her job by virtue of being black and gay, uh, the, the only qualifications that matter in the Biden administration, clearly. She claims that Republicans have put forth proposals for the debt ceiling negotiation had put forth proposals that would cause more children to develop asthma and to literally melt bones. I want that to sink in for a minute. This is the excuse. They literally have Joe Manchin out here talking about what a ridiculous lack of leadership Joe Biden is showing by not negotiating with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He's not willing to negotiate at all. He just wants to sit back, do nothing, and when he refuses to give an inch, when he refuses to do anything that actually makes sense to improve the situation of the country, he's going to point his finger because they're already doing it. Just going to point his finger at the Republicans and say, they're the reason we're going to default. Now, no, Joe, the reason you're going to default is because they're going to send you a budget. And all you have to do to get the debt ceiling raised, which it's not a thing we should be rooting for, by the way, guys, but you know, here we are. This is the age of modern politics, and evidently even conservatives no longer care about the debt. I don't understand that. How did we stop being fiscal conservatives? We're not willing to have those arguments because those arguments lose elections, or so we're told. A return to accountability, a return to standing on principles, a return to actually trying to salvage the nation. No, we can't do any of that. That's a bad idea, Tim. How dare you? That's going to cost us votes because there's too many people voting that don't understand basic finance, that don't utilize critical thought. And that's what you see going on here because there is somebody – Somebody in this country that honestly believes that Kevin McCarthy wants to literally melt the bones of children after they get asthma based on what Corinne Jean-Pierre said today. I guarantee you there's somebody that's taking that literally that doesn't know that it's hyperbole, doesn't know that it's an exaggeration, and doesn't know that it's political spin designed to uh, elicit this idea that whenever anything goes wrong, it's always the Republican's fault. I mean, I literally did a broadcast last week that pointed out clearly that everything is always someone else's fault when you're a Democrat, and that is their general mindset. They've been operating under that for a long time, 
but it's become so obvious and so transparent that even people that have been voting for Democrats for a long time are starting to see it. They're having a hard time denying it anymore. It's just nuts. So here's Corinne Jean-Pierre, and she's giving this speech, and she's uh, doing her usual bumbling and fumbling and trumbling and, and all these other things that she does. But to make this accusation, to literally – to say the words, literally melt bones, what are you supposed to – how do you respond to that short of um, – excuse me, next question, ma'am. Uh, when exactly do you plan on stop lying to the American public? Now, the only reason they don't ask that question is because most of the media that show up to the pressers now are in on the lies. But uh, say young Master Ducey from Fox News, who seems to be the only one who goes after her during these – even he doesn't bother answering that question because we all already know the answer. The answer, of course, being never. They can't afford to stop telling those lies. If they stop telling those lies, then the few people that still have at least half a brain and continue to use that half a brain that still vote for Democrats will run away from them. It's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and transition uh, to today's first guest. As I mentioned – we uh, have joining us today for the first segment uh, a gentleman who happens to be the CEO of Red Ship Companies. Uh, I'm going to have him tell you that story because, quite honestly, there's nobody better to tell that story than him. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show for the first time, but he's no newcomer to conservative talk or even speaking his mind. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dave Gentry. Uh, Dave, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking some time out of your very busy schedule and joining us tonight. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. My pleasure. All right. Well, glad to have you along. Definitely looking forward to getting your uh, opinions on a couple of topics. But before we uh, jump into any of that, uh, tell the listeners, uh, in case somebody's not familiar, a little bit about Red Chip Companies, how that came about, and then feel free to talk a little bit about the book Small Stocks, Big Money, uh, because that's a book that I think more people need to pick up a copy of because they could use the information. Well, thank you. So, Redship, um, I'm getting a slight echo. I apologize. Can you hear the echo? Um, pretty good on this side. Well, we'll see if we can't clear that okay. up. I'm not sure where to say. Okay, that's fine. <clears throat> so, Redship Companies is an investor relations and media firm. We represent small cap public companies, some private companies that want to go public. Uh, we have a TV show on Bloomberg that airs 7 p.m. Uh, every Saturday where we interview these uh, CEOs of very interesting companies, companies that could be in biotech, uh, high-tech, mining, uh, many with a, a new technology, new platform. Uh, so exciting business, a place where you can make a lot of money, but you can lose a, a lot of money in smaller cap stocks as well uh, because they are the riskiest asset class. So that's what we do. started the company about 22 years ago. And uh, prior to that, I was a high school teacher and a free speech activist. Right. In uh, fact, uh, back in 1994, 
uh, you co-founded the First Amendment Coalition, uh, very unusual nonprofit at that point in time, uh, basically focused on uh, college-based student organizations. Uh, and that's kind of what we brought you on to talk about today is what's going on on college campuses. We're seeing uh, something – and this spills over into uh, where you're focused on trying to uh, – to pick winners and losers as far as these small cap companies as well because I don't think we've ever seen before so many CEOs and board members of companies that have put woke ideology ahead of the bottom line. Now, there's always been an effort to be a good steward of the re of the resources you have available. That's what makes for a great company. But to have moved to ESG scoring with little um, – concern at all where the profit margins are, uh, that's something that we haven't seen to this extent uh, ever, I don't believe. But that starts on the college campuses, and we're seeing so much uh, from the left in particular where they, they don't just want to silence uh, opposing viewpoints anymore. They want to threaten, bully, and commit acts of violence in some cases. So is this a trend that you've been seeing for very long, or is this a relatively new trend, and what are your thoughts? This is a trend that I saw as a graduate student in the in the 90s at the University of Florida. And, um, you know, at that time, we put together a coalition of student leaders at the University of Florida, and then we launched a national organization that was called the First Amendment Coalition, because in the 90s was really uh, when what we called then political correctness was beginning to heat up on college campuses, uh, multiculturalism. You had William Schlesinger in 1987 who wrote the, uh, the book Multiculturalism, which was a critique of, of how the way we taught Western cultures, uh, the Western culture and Western tradition uh, in, the, in the contemporary university setting. Harold Bloom wrote the book called The Closing of the American Mind in 1991. And what, he, what his thesis was very simple, that our universities are training students uh, to believe that all truth is relative and that really there's no objective truth. Now, having said that, uh, in the 90s, we began to see uh, speech codes, vaguely written speech codes on college campuses. It was really designed to, to keep students from expressing a view that was say, different than the prevailing orthodoxy of the left on the college campus. So you would see kids uh, getting reprimanded, maybe put in a seminar for wearing a T-shirt with a Mexican uh, on it with a sombrero drunk because they were having a Mexican team fraternity party. Uh, you saw uh, conservative student newspapers being stolen across the country. So we brought the representatives of 50 colleges to Harvard in 1994. We said, let's take the fight to the heart of wokeness. And that's what we did. And we ratified something called the Cambridge Declaration. And this was a defense of freedom of speech and the Western tradition uh, on college campuses. And it called on presidents and administrators to, to reaffirm their commitment to intellectual diversity, universal standards, and, and academic freedom. And there were a number of issues that we outlined there. So these professors in our universities now and those running these bigger corporations are product of, of the 1990s university system. <clears throat> and um, so that's what we're looking at today. And um, 
it's a type of corporatism that bows to a very radical left, which is a, a really I see as a tyranny of the minority and the sense, and I don't mean as in the minority, but as a minority, uh, right. imposing an ideology through our institutions, media and academia, and depending who's on who's running the country, um, uh, through you know political uh, channels, and uh, so that's you know that's what's happening, and we have to stand up, have courage, and call it out for what it is. It's fascism, uh, Antifa, that is a fascist group that uses intimidation and coercion to shut down freedom of speech, um, in order to inculcate uh, those students and others with their ideology. It's fascism, uh, and it's a threat. Right. Yeah, I, I think this whole uh, Raleigh Gaines situation, uh, the can, former Kentucky swimmer who's had the courage to stand up and speak out about uh, men, biological men, competing against biological women in women's sports. And, you know, she's done swimming. But she sees the harm that's being done. She personally experienced a, a loss of opportunity, and she knows that this is going to lead to other things. So she's had a lot of courage. She's standing up. She's inviting the discussion, and that, that's, I think, the most dangerous aspect for the folks that are trying to cram, cram, excuse me, trying to cram down uh, these ideologies. Because when you stop and think about this critically for just a few moments, you start seeing all the holes in the logic. You start seeing the juxtapositions where if A is true, then B can't possibly be true. But we're supposed to think that A, B, and C are all true, depending on the fact that they said it in that particular moment. The danger level, the threat level, the, the overall violence, it was shocking for people that haven't been following the uh, ongoing circumstance and the uh, elevation of the political temperatures on college campuses, but not so shocking for those of us who've been covering these kind of stories for a while. It seems like it is a natural uh, escalation that that it's surprising, uh, actually, in my mind, that we haven't seen uh, more of this at a much larger scale. But as far as a way to fight back, what do you think is the easiest remedy uh, at this moment in time to try to retake uh, and reinstitute sanity on these college campuses? Because right now, a lot of the administrators are – even though they claim not to be, they're not just egging it on. They're not just being supportive, but they're actually organizing this to a certain degree. I don't see how it happens otherwise. Now, I, those are my words. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But what do you think would be some of the easiest solutions if a college university campus and the administration was really interested in lowering that temperature and reinstituting actual free speech? Well, one of the things Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida is saying if you're teaching critical race theory, you're going to, to lose funding. So that's one thing that he's doing, for example. And he's not allowing um, the schools to teach uh, in kindergarten through eighth grade. He's not allowing them to teach, um, you know, genderism or, sec or talk about sexual orientation, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so there's things that you can do that um, will challenge and, and make it more difficult for them to continue to 
you know, attempt to inculcate our institutions uh, with their ideology. But um, again, it all comes back to look in the situation of Riley Gaines. The, the university did did nothing. They put her in a safe room for three hours. She stood up and said, "Look, the only thing." Only way anything's going to happen here is I'm going to sue this student for hitting me. I'm going to sue the university for not protecting my free speech rights. Uh, and the, the ideology is has, is the absence of reason. In, in Western civilization, America, what made our country great was our ability to have civil debate and have a reasoned analysis and a reasonable debate, come to a conclusion that would uh, help and promote the common good. Um, here, uh, they have said, look, not because I have natural rights under God, because there's a transcendent power, I have the rights of a citizen, because I'm a human being. I have rights because of my ethnicity. I have rights uh, that are beyond your rights and protections beyond your protections because of my sexual orientation. And, I'm there, and I can will myself to become a woman if I'm a man. Obviously, that's impossible. On its face, but if you don't believe in objective truth, and if all truth is relative, then that's acceptable, and that's their worldview. So how do we do it? We, we make sure that we're we're doing everything we can do to teach a proper history of America, both its political, social, culture, etc. And that that's that's the beginning. Um, we 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 protest uh, at the school board meetings. Um, we contact alumni. Are you aware of what they're what they're teaching. So there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, the first step is to have courage like you and speak out. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, I do appreciate you uh, taking your time, sir, joining us this evening. Uh, real quick, before we uh, park company, please feel free to uh, share any websites you would like to share. And if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share any handles you'd like as well. Uh, let them know where they can find your work, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. So you can uh, find my work at thegentryreport.com, thegentryreport.com, uh, which is a weekly publication that looks at uh, issues in finance and history, literature, and art, and politics. Uh, and if you're interested in smaller cap stocks, you can visit uh, redchip.com. All right. Again, uh, thank you so much for your insights and all the work that you do. And uh, you know what? I, I think we're on to something with, uh, with all the experience you've had in the area. I think that uh, you're in a unique position to help be a thought leader to retake uh, common sense back to the masses. Let's get some uh, critical thinking back in place because that's what's missing. Thank you so much, uh, sir, and uh, Godspeed to you. Yep. And I hope we can uh, talk again sometime soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dave Gentry, uh, CEO of Red Ship Companies, Inc., and uh, author of Small Stocks, Big Money. And uh, like he said, uh, when it comes to those small stocks, uh, they are the most uh, volatile, most risky. So, you know, uh, big risk, big reward. 
Uh, that's kind of the way it goes. However, big risks sometimes can equal uh, big losses. So you have to do your due diligence just the same. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take that mid-hour break. And when we come back on the other side, uh, we are scheduled to be joined by Joel Gilbert. So don't go anywhere. And remember, in hour number two, we're talking to Rod Eccles. Stay where you're at. We'll be right back. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> Joe Brandon, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 well, I took uh, a walk around the world to ease my trouble. Now I'm thanking you. No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. Jedediah Morse was a pioneer American educator, clergyman, and father of Samuel Morse, the inventor of the Morse Code. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Jedediah studied for the ministry at Yale and in 1789 accepted a call to the First Church of Charleston, Massachusetts. He was alarmed by how far the clergy had moved from doctrinal orthodoxy. In 1799, Jedediah Moore stated, Our dangers are of two kinds, those which affect our religion and those which affect our government. They are, however, so closely allied that they cannot, with propriety, be separated. To the kindly influence of Christianity, we owe the degree of civic freedoms and political and social happiness mankind now enjoys. In proportion as the genuine effects of Christianity are diminished in any nation, in the same proportion will the people of that nation recede from the blessings of genuine freedom. It follows that all efforts made to destroy the foundation of our holy religion ultimately tend to the subversion also of our political freedom and happiness. Wherever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican form of government and all the blessings which flow from them must fall with them. May we the people remember that without God, the United States shall simply be gone under. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. These products are patented and proven. Second Skull is a protective headgear company. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Uh, We do have our next guest on the line, but before we get to our guest, I have to address a brief message from our second sponsor. We are talking about the fact that at this very moment, there is a not-so-secret, secret secret Fed bailout happening. It's looking an awful lot like uh, 2008 all over again right now. We've seen some banks collapsing. We've seen executives taking fat bonuses, and we've seen the White House running to their rescue while regular people like you and me are struggling. Having a hard time paying the bills. Certainly can't afford to keep our gas tanks filled. And here it is. The Biden administration has the nerve to bail out these super wealthy folks out here in these specialized banks. Some of them even having very close ties to the CCP. And guess who's paying for that? Uh, You guessed it. You are. I am. We are. But you know what? You don't have to play their game anymore. You actually can opt out of the system, move your cash into gold and silver now before it's too late. Give GoldCo a call at 855-387-2932 to learn the three simple steps that you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver. Take action today to protect yourself and your family from financial collapse, you know, before the White House takes it all away. Call 855-387-2932 right now and learn how you can get up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Uh, One more time, that number is 855-387-2932. Give Gold Co. a call right now. And it is my pleasure and honor to welcome another first-time guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, he is an author. He is a documentary filmmaker. Uh, You have seen his work. I guarantee it. His latest, if I give you the title right now, it will give away too much of what we're going to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Joel Gilbert. Joel, first, before we dive into anything at all, thank you so much for joining me tonight, and how are you doing today? Thanks so much. Great to be here. All the best. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. So uh, I guess it's time we let the cat out of the bag. Uh, We got the notification just here recently that Chicago has been selected to be the host city for the Democratic National Convention. And that just plays one more domino to this theory that you've been promoting for quite some time. You're convinced it's not Joe Biden we're going to be seeing running as the Democratic nominee in 2024. It's Michelle Obama. Tell us about that. Well, I look, I did a, I did a deep dive into Michelle Obama's background and history. I went to Chicago, talked to her elementary school classmates, principal, high school classmates, uh, thesis advisor, Princeton, you name it, her mother. And I got a whole different portrait of her real-life story, and it's called Michelle Obama 2024. You can watch the movie or get the DVD on SalemNow.com 
or the book versions of Amazon.com. And uh, you can see the Democrat Party is setting everything up for Michelle Obama. They moved the uh, first primary from Iowa, where you have to go campaign in 100 counties, to South Carolina, where about 50% of the primary voters for Democrats are all black, African-Americans. And Michelle claims South Carolina as a home state because her grandparents went to Chicago from South Carolina. So she could wrap up the nomination very quickly there. And, of course, they moved the uh, Democrat convention to the city of Chicago to anoint, I believe, the uh, hometown girl. Uh, I've been following the Obamas for years, and I noticed about three or four years ago that Michelle was really following Barack Obama's footsteps, doing the exact same things he did uh, to become president. Barack was the keynote speaker for John Kerry at the Democrat convention in 2004, introduced the candidate. Michelle was the keynote speaker for Joe Biden in 2020, introduced Joe Biden. That's the spot they give to the person they think will be the nominee at the next convention. Barack had a voter registration organization called Project Vote in Chicago before he ran for office. Michelle started a voter registration organization she still promotes called When We All Vote. And lastly, Barack ran his campaign based on his personal story. He wrote an autobiography called Dreams from My Father, Michelle wrote two autobiographies, one called Becoming and her new one called The Light We Carry that she's featuring with Oprah on Netflix next week. So I just see her following the same pattern. She's positioning herself uh, very well with the core Democrat voting groups of women and minorities. And she's just, I think, lying in wait, and they set up South Carolina and Chicago for her as soon as Biden announces he's not running. Right. And a big part of the reason why you're convinced that he will end up announcing that he's not is he keeps delaying the official announcement of it. In fact, he's a little bit behind already for when most sitting presidents would, although it wouldn't be all that unusual to see it maybe as late as June. But he's talking about in the fall, and you're convinced that that's just a stall tactic to give him a little more time to come up with a good excuse for why he has to step out of the way, providing that he still needs one because it certainly looks like if Republicans get serious and we have an actual legitimate investigation by the DOJ that there is reason enough why he should either resign or be impeached before then. But all that aside, because we can't hold our breath for that, uh, you just feel like it's a stall tactic so they can come up with a, a reason not to run, right? Yeah, two things. First of all, the Democrats don't want him. The Democrat Party has leaned toward uh, minorities and female transgender candidates. They're pretty much done with old white men. They got rid of Andrew Cuomo. It's just not in their DNA anymore. They don't want Biden. Poll, every poll shows it. Now, Biden doesn't want to be a lame duck. He wants to still, once you're a lame duck, you lose a lot of your power. So I think he wants to keep it going for as many months as possible to give the illusion that he's running. Now, just as of yesterday, there's some talk that Biden will release a video next week with some kind of announcement about 2024. We don't know what it'll be. Uh, I think he could simply say, well, I'm going to be running or I am running. But even so, releasing a video is irrelevant because uh, nothing really happens until the fall anyway when the candidate has to start gathering signatures to put himself on various primary ballots. So even if he says, I'm going to run, or I, it's just a video. Normally, you go out in the field to a big uh, you know, uh, crowds and you do a tour of the country and make your announcement. Biden's putting out a video. So I think it's just going to be another stall tactic. Yeah. 
uh, it's certainly not advisable to put Biden out anywhere in the open, especially with the crowd. Uh, it just seems like with every passing day now, it's harder and harder for him to complete a sentence. Uh, he looks lost. Uh, all the time on stage now, and part of me almost starts to feel bad for him again looking at this case of obvious elder abuse until I remember the senator that he used to be when he had all his faculties, and then I, I don't feel so sorry for him anymore. But it, it is embarrassing uh, on the base, and when the Democrats decide they can't use this guy anymore, that should say a lot. Uh, there's been a lot of talk for a long time that Michelle Obama is probably one of the strongest people that they have if you're looking at winning an election on a national stage just because she's one of the few that has national name recognition and doesn't poll negatively in the uh, the demographics that Democrats typically uh, rely on. But she's denied for a long time she has any interest in it. Um, is that also just part of the ploy, you think? Yeah, Michelle is a highly political person. She comes from a political family. Her father was a precinct captain for the Democrat Party machine in Chicago. Michelle grew up in Jesse Jackson's house. She was best friends with his daughter, Santita. So she was there when he was running for president. Michelle married a politician. She's a better speaker than Barack. She's a better politician than Barack. You might remember back in 2008, she was so political, giving these sold-out stadium speeches that she went over the top and said, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country because Barack won a primary. So that got so much negative feedback, they told her, look, you need to take a step back because people are going to end up hating you like they hate Hillary. So she pretended to hate politics all during the Obama years in office, but it really was a co-presidency. And she was so successful with this idea that I don't like politics. She's on hundreds of magazine covers and TV shows and talk shows, and she's built up 15 years of all positive publicity so she can enter politics again by saying, hey, you know, I hate politics, but I just love the country and I want to help your children and I want to bring us all back together. That was Barack Obama's campaign slogan because of his background and he could bring us together again. So I think that's where she's coming from. But she's absolutely the most loved Democrat, the most popular person in the country. And she brings plausibility to the Democrat elections because if they say Joe Biden or Kamala Harris are leading in all the polls and all the swing states by 10 points, no one would believe it. It's not plausible. If they say Joe Biden got 81 million votes again, no one's going to believe it. But if Michelle is there, it's kind of believable because you'd say, well, yeah, she's so popular, she could have gotten 81 million votes. So she brings all that to the table. In fact, I think she's probably the only person uh, that the Democrats have anywhere on the bench that is capable of that. I, I don't see yep. any other tier one or tier two folks that are even remotely capable of the plausibility factor. Uh, Joe, again, thank you so much for uh, joining us this evening. I, I hate to have to let you go so quick, but I know you're a busy man, and I certainly can't monopolize your time going into the weekend. So thank you so much. Before you go, though, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Feel free to share any websites you would like to. And if you're still inviting anybody to follow you on any social media platforms, feel free to share your handles there as well. Okay, thanks a lot. Well, Again, you can watch the movie or buy the DVD on SalemNow.com. Just search Michelle Obama 2024. To see the trailer and all the information about the film and book, it's Michelle Obama 24, MichelleObama24.com. Amazon.com for the book version and the uh, DVD as well. 
And on Twitter, you can find me at Joel S, middle initial S, Gilbert. Okay? On Twitter. All right. Thank you so very much, sir. Uh, and like I said, I appreciate your time and uh, coming and speaking with us. Uh, very interesting information you've been compiling and uh, got to love anybody who's willing to uh, dive deep into the details so that the rest of us can get an easy access to that information. Keep up the good work, sir. And I do hope we get to speak again sometime soon. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Joel Gilbert. Uh, it, it's obvious that uh, he's onto something. You know, a lot of us have been talking about for a long time the lack of depth that the Democrats have on their ticket. I mean, are they really going to run Kamala? I mean, she's trying really hard. I mean, did you see what happened in Nashville? Uh, did you notice the timing? If you're a regular listener, you've heard me call this out uh, for uh, nearly two weeks now. Is When there were Christian conservative children being shot when there were staff members of a school working at a Christian school being shot and killed. Oh, well, you know, um, that's a non-story. Uh, the, the real story is, is guns. No, oh, the guns. They're killing people again with nobody attached. But then as soon as three <clears throat> uh, air quotes being used here, Lawmakers from the state of Tennessee face expulsion, and two of the three get expelled. But the thing is that two of those three, the two that were expelled, happen to be cosplay civil rights activists. And, of course, the one that stayed happened to be a really, really bad Karen. Well... The Karen uses the narrative. Well, I'll tell you why, why they were expelled, and I wasn't it has to do with the color of our skins. Oh, no. And then Kamala practically breaks her neck trying to get to the airport. We're flying to Nashville today. They even do a puff piece in the mainstream legacy media talking about how heroic and gallantly she demanded her staffers to make this happen quickly. Yeah, because it's so very hard <laughs> for a D.C. politician to get a flight from D.C. to Nashville. That is just so hard. So very, very hard. It's difficult. You should try it sometime. Although that would require you going to D.C. and I don't recommend you visit there for very long. If you're only going to the airport, okay, you're probably all right there. You actually go out, not the safest neighborhood. Only place in the country where I've literally seen an on-duty police officer being mugged. It is not a safe place to be. And it's a shame because like a lot of other great cities, jewels of this nation, that have fallen under the control of democratic politicians for decades – in some cases, over a century now, we see really, really great cities that have become third world. Well, I'm not going to say the rest because we are airing live over WCET-FM. So definitely don't want to get any of the radio stations fine. It would just be terrible. I think K-Star Talk Radio Network would be okay. Pretty sure the Vera Network would be fine. But I don't want the radio station to face any negative consequences because I couldn't keep my potty mouth shut. 
Besides, you guys know I'm typically not much of a potty mouth. But anyway, the point being, Kamala Harris sees this as an opportunity. She's trying to position herself now. When it comes to civil rights, I can't go to the southern border. I can't find a way to do any of the things that I've been assigned to do by the White House. But civil rights, well, I'm a black woman. Uh, who was never identifying as black until she decided to run for office. Before then, she was always an Indian woman. And hey, there's nothing wrong with either one of those. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But when you choose to identify a certain way for political expediency, somebody should be questioning that authenticity. When it comes to someone that literally got introduced to politics by being Willie Brown's ex-side piece, that, as crude as it sounds, is still an accurate description. That should make you question her character. And this is somebody that's going to also cosplay as a civil rights leader because they don't know what an actual civil rights leader is. They don't. They just don't know. They're not students of history because history tends to prove that every idea they're still trying to push fails. They don't want you to be a student of history, again, for the very same reason. They don't want you thinking about anything too awful hard or for very long either because it doesn't require a great deal of critical thinking to realize that these people are full of manure. A little grade A. Bovine excrement is what these people deal with, shoveling tons and tons, and they bury us with it. And for those of us that aren't bright enough to see it for what it is, well, those of us keep voting for them, and that's how they end up in power. Kamala Harris literally just said that pro-life Americans are a threat to democracy. We're not a threat to democracy. We're a threat to the authoritarian power that she and her like-minded uh, fellow travelers have been trying to build for themselves. That's what we're a threat to. And besides that, if she was genuinely somebody that was concerned about minority rights, she would be standing up for the constitutionally federated republic as she was founded, not constantly trying to convince the general American public that we're a democracy. We are not a democracy. You don't want a democracy, especially if you're part of a minority. You know why? I know you know why. You're a regular listener. You know why. Because I say this to the point that even I get sick of hearing it, but it bears repeating just the same. Democracy boils down to nothing more than two wolves and a sheep getting together to decide what to have for dinner. Doesn't tend to work out well for the minorities. But a constitutionally federated republic, the possibilities are astounding. Our founding fathers, the framers of the constitutions, you can say what you want to about it, but you cannot deny the genius that was involved, and it's a big part of why I can't help myself but to believe that there was divine inspiration in every word that was written. 
whether you're talking about even at the Declaration of Independence, there was divine inspiration. But the Constitution was built in a way that was designed to constrain the government, not to constrain us. It was to keep those people who would become tyrants given the opportunity. It was to keep them from having that opportunity. And it bought us nearly 200 years. I can't say that we're not living under a form of tyranny now. In fact, I don't even know that I can continue to say that it's a soft tyranny because it's feeling a little, a little bit firmer all the time. But that's where we are. If she's the best they've got to offer, they got nothing, right? That, that's still not going to keep them from uh, trotting somebody out there. And yeah, you know, again, I would be very surprised if Joe Biden makes it to run, even if he really, really wants to. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't wait uh, till the very end and just right before the freaking convention says, you know what, all right, I'm, I'm backing out now. But we've had a really great primary, and now I'm going to throw my weight behind Michelle, which would probably hurt Kamala's feelings. But Kamala's got to see it coming because they haven't been getting along in a while. Yeah, that is if you believe the reports, and quite honestly, I do. Not going to say that maybe that couldn't be some uh, some exaggeration on some of it. Oh, exaggeration from D.C.? Tim, how silly a concept is that? Uh, I know, pretty wild, right? Uh, so yeah, this, this theory that Joel was putting out there, it's one that we've discussed before. We've had other guests on that have talked about it because it's the only thing that really makes sense – from the standpoint of if you're a Democrat operative and you want to legitimately win an election. Now, it shouldn't be a slam dunk by any means. And I use the term if you want to legitimately win because we know that a certain level of shenanigans in certain key locations can be enough to win in an electoral style election. When you have the electoral college in play. You go win the places you know you're going to win, and then you can target certain larger areas like, say, hmm, a Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, uh, a blue enclave in the middle of a red state. But if you can pull the shenanigans in just the right places, suddenly there's a big win and it's enough to take the state of Texas or I don't know I know an oddly specific example but I'm going to run with it the city of Atlanta in Georgia again a very red state in general I don't know why I'm thinking about shenanigans in Atlanta changing the outcome of the electoral delegates from a red state hmm Pennsylvania had some strange things going on with their state constitution. Uh, yeah. So if you're careful, if you plan, you don't have to have <laughs> you don't have to have widespread voter fraud to flip the uh, the results. You don't. You just have to be smart. And if you're going to tell me that you don't believe that the Democrats are capable of doing the math, and are capable of figuring out exactly where to conduct 
some shenanigans to get a more favorable outcome, then I'll tell you you've not been paying attention because while their policies aren't designed for us, they work exactly the way they are designed. It's just their intention is not to serve the American people. Their intention is to remove the Constitution as an obstacle to their power, their authoritarianism. They're very clever about what they try to do. It's just they now believe they've moved past the point where they have to conceal it. They now believe they've moved past the point where the incrementalism that they used to have to engage in, they don't think they have to do that anymore. They think they can be out in the open. They think they can be honest about their intentions. That's why you have somebody like an AOC who – Sometimes I still feel bad for her because it's clear she's not that bright. She's being used and manipulated. It's just sad that more average Americans who have counted on, who've depended on, who voted for, who've supported the Democratic Party for a while now haven't seen through it before. And sadly, there's still a few folks out there that they refuse to say they, – they recognize it now, but they still refuse because to them, it's still a team sport, and they're team blue no matter who. We got a stroke victim who's a criminal before that. That's okay. We'll vote for him. Uh, we got a, a venal house plant that was making out with the crypt keeper the other day. Did you guys see the Obama Nancy Pelosi kiss, by the way? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I got to get that image out of my mind. And I, I'm sorry I put that image in here because if you hadn't seen it, don't go watch the video. Don't do it. You can't get it out of your head. Let's reset the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, don't go anywhere. When we come back on the other side, we will be joined by the host of the Rod Eccles show, Mr. Rod Eccles. That makes sense, right? Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. This is Matt Fitzgibbons from PatriotMusic.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. This is Tim Tapp, and you're listening to K-Star and the Vera Network. This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap Into the Truth. You, but I guess that doesn't cut it. Oh, 
Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, I do hope that you love me because I definitely love all you guys, all my fellow Americans, and for the international audience as well. If you wish to breathe free, uh, you have a friend in me. Uh, that much I can guarantee. I'm a terrible poet, and I'm going to stop now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second hour of tonight's live broadcast of Tapping to the Truth as we slide headlong into the weekend together. It is Friday night, and I am now joined by the host of the Rod Eccles Show, Rod Eccles. But before we start that conversation with a man I've waited a very long time to talk to, because it's been so long since he's been with us, I do have to mention something from our sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, China is hoarding a massive amount of food. There's no question it's scary business when you think about the fact that they have, will soon have over two-thirds of the world's corn reserves, over half of the world's rice, and almost half of the world's wheat. That should immediately make you ask the question, what is it that China knows that we don't? Well, if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me warn you, they are the proverbial canary in the coal mine when it comes to global food shortages. They are and have been the number one world exporter of food. They depend on the rest of the world to feed their people. So when you think about that, you apply a little critical thinking. What does it mean to average everyday Americans like you and me? Well, two words, my friends, food shortages. And that's why it's a really good idea right now to stock up on kits of the best-selling Four Patriot Survival Food. Create your own personalized stockpile, uh, mix and match to get the things you want. They've got great desserts too, but get on over there. Get your own Four Patriot Survival Food Kits. They're hand-packed in the USA. They're compact. They stack easy. They have different breakfast, lunches, and dinner. So if you had to rely on them for a while, you don't have to worry about getting burnt out eating the same thing. And they've got a ton of five-star reviews raving about the flavor. Phenomenal taste. It's great stuff. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase over at 4Patriot Survival Food by typing the code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com, use the code TAP to get 10% off your first purchase. Not just survival food, but literally anything over there, uh, they'll honor that code. That's the number 4Patriots.com. Use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get the show started. I know you're tired of hearing me uh, babble and moan and go on. You came here to hear this man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Rod Eccles. Rod, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It has been way too long since we've gotten together. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Tim, I'm doing well. How are you? Glad to uh, glad to be back. It's It has been a while. Um, my fault, I've been busy all over the place doing a number of different things. But here I am. You caught me at a good time. All right. I, I'm definitely glad to have you back. Uh, it, since it has been so long, uh Give the listeners an update on what's going on with the Rod Echo Show. I mean, I know you took a bit of a hiatus a while back. You've been back at it now for a bit. Uh, what's the latest going on? Uh, well, we I am back, uh, back uh, uh, Monday through Thursday live over on ZMARadio.com. And uh, we're gearing up the radio station. It's going to be a uh, – we're, we're trying to get – a number of different broadcast people on there that are all conservative, not necessarily Republican, but conservative. They have conservative voices, and um, 
uh, things are starting to pick up and it's starting to look really good and I'm really excited about it. All right. Well, if you're excited about it, then that means I am, too, because uh, we need more of that. There's no question about it, especially as conservative voices are being targeted by literally every form of media out there. Uh, they're trying so desperate to, to squash our uh, our common sense, uh, trying to keep us from being heard. Uh, I, I know you were listening a little while ago earlier. Uh, there's no doubt they know, they understand that if somebody takes the time to think about these proposals they're making and these ideas they're throwing out, it doesn't take a whole lot of thought to just kind of scratch your head and say, that doesn't make sense. Uh, no, well, they've always depended on people not actually thinking, not being logical. It's always been about emotion. That's why they they constantly pound the and, and try to push that emotional button. Uh, the, the the biggest emotional thing now that they keep continually using is safe space and hate speech. Well. If you want to have a safe space, then stay in your basement. Uh, mm-hmm. And there really isn't anything called hate speech. I mean, who's determining what's hateful? What I determine to be hateful, somebody else determines to be love speech. So there really isn't any such thing as hate speech. There's just there's speech, and that speech can be uplifting or it could be you know downlifting. I guess you want to put it that way. It, it could be offensive, but then again. What's offensive to one person is not necessarily offensive to another. But if a society comes together and says in general terms, well, this sort of thing is offensive, then then it can be construed as being offensive. But you still in the land of the free. You still have the ability to speak it. Yeah, Yeah, I've often said that uh, the proper application of the First Amendment guarantees that at some point you will be offended. Uh, Otherwise, you're just not paying attention. Uh, And that is the proper application thereof. Uh, That's what the whole idea of protected speech is in the first place. You don't have to protect something that everybody's okay with. You need to protect the speech that nobody really wants to hear. Uh, and, And that's the the great part about being an American is that if you don't want to hear it, nobody's going to make you listen either, but that doesn't give you the right to squash it. Uh, you had a few topics I wanted to get your uh, your thoughts on. I, I figure we might as well talk a little politics while we're together. That's kind of the point usually for stuff like this. Uh, I want to start with this debt ceiling debate. Uh, I love the fact that some Democrats are up for re-election soon, so they've been out there publicly chiding uh, Biden to go talk to Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I got both this – it happens all the time if I'm listening to Corinne Jean-Pierre. My initial reaction is I can't help but laugh, and then the more I think about it, I start stewing and I start get angry. Where Jean-Pierre uh, it was out there literally saying that McCarthy's plan is about giving kids asthma and literally melting bones. And it's just these guys are so crazy, but there's still somebody somewhere that's listening. What do you see as the path that the Republicans need to continue to take? Is Kevin McCarthy doing the right thing by just offering up this plan and then sticking to it? And do you think he will? Uh, well, he – he is right to stick to the stick to his plan. Uh, now, what he's supposed to do, and what the president is supposed to do, and what uh, 
Chuck Schumer is supposed to do, is they're supposed to sit down and negotiate this out. But I think it's really stupid to just say, well, uh, just raise a debt with, you know, just raise a debt ceiling. Just raise it. They're, they're, we don't need to negotiate, not going to negotiate. We're not going to cut anything. But why have a debt ceiling in the first place? And if every time we, we start pounding that up against that ceiling, all you're going to do is raise it. It's supposed to be there to put some sort of uh, cap on our spending. It's supposed to keep them more accountable. But as we've seen in the past, over the past few years, it's just sort of a line item that they can just brush aside. Oh, my goodness, you know, we spent all this money during the year in the last budget, and now we're up against the debt ceiling. So, um, uh, yeah, let's just raise it and, uh, and keep going. No, it's supposed to remind them that they're supposed to be responsible with taxpayer money. And the last thing Democrats want to do is be responsible. And, and they come up with all these crazy things. You're right. They're talking about, well, the Democrat or Republicans want to cut spending. Well, kind of, yeah, but nobody ever talks about cutting things like Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid. Uh, and, and Biden said, I just thought this was hilarious. When Biden said, well, if, if McCarthy gets his way, then he's going to cut, cut spending to Border Patrol. Uh, um, that's the one thing that they want to increase spending on. But you're right. People are not going to hear the truth. They're just going to hear these, these ridiculous, crazy lies, and, and they're going to believe them. Uh, and, and our news media doesn't push back. That's the real problem. I mean, it's one thing for a politician to lie because, you know, 99.9% of them lie, and we know that. But the point of our media and a true journalist is to push back to get to the truth and say, hey, no, well, actually, Mr. McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy is talking about increasing funding for Border Patrol. Why, Mr. President, are you saying he wants to cut it? Yeah. It, it is astounding that we don't have a media that, actually wants to do the job anymore they they picked a side though uh all the legacy mainstream uh they picked a side they decide they want to be activists uh we have people that have been elected to office who instead of being lawmakers they want to be activists too we we see all kinds of craziness going on and it it just i can't wrap my mind around it and, and i do this i've been doing this for a while now and I spend time thinking about it, and every time I get to a point, I still come back around and scratch my head. I can't for the life of me determine why there's still so many people that are willfully blind to this. How much longer do you think uh, a significant group of people in this country are going to be able to maintain the facade that the Democratic Party is for the people, uh, that they're for uh, a minority, that they're for any of the things that they claim to be for, when clearly that's not the intention because they can't claim anymore to not have tried these things. Uh, they've tried, they've failed, and they want to double, triple, quadruple down. When do the people that have continued to vote for these folks finally admit they've been voting for the wrong team? Well, that's the human psyche dilemma, Tim. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of Democrats that realize that they made a mistake. However, humans being what we are, many of us hate to admit and some of us refuse to admit that we were wrong. You add to that that we've been so divided on party lines that it doesn't matter if the Democrat is wrong. 
they just can't see themselves voting for a Republican. And it's the same on the other side. There are, there are many Republicans. It, it doesn't matter how bad the Republican candidate is. It, and it might be that the Democrat actually might be better and in some cases more conservative than the Republican, but they refuse to vote for the Democrat. I've always said, we just, we need to, you can have parties, but we need to drop the party label on the ballot tickets. It just needs to be names in the positions that they're going for. And that makes the voter have to actually listen and pay attention to what these people are saying. Instead of just going there and voting straight ticket for Democrat or straight ticket for Republican. It's gotten to the point where, and a lot of times, you know, you hear people call them the uniparty. Uh, because the, the Democrats have moved so far to the left in their spending, in their, in their, in their social mores, is just ridiculous that it's forced some Democrats, we call them you know, JFK Democrats, the more sensible ones, to become switch parties and become Republicans, but they're not Republicans. So we end up calling them rhinos. And, and this, everything gets convoluted, it gets blended. You know, Tim, our country is, is a melting pot. Our politics and political parties are not supposed to be a melting pot. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we do face a, a set of circumstances, though, where uh, you have this fear of losing elections. You have paid consultants that look at certain things and they put their own personal politics into whatever they uh, consult with too. Uh, we do have several Republicans that we call rhinos that wouldn't understand or recognize a conservative idea if it smacked them in the face. Uh, there's a ton of people that have been criticizing Ron DeSantis over his recent stand on the uh, anti-abortion law that was recently signed in Florida, putting a six-week banned on it. Uh, oh, no, that's that's far too strict. That's going to alienate folks. At some point, when did we completely lose track of the fact that we're supposed to stand for something, that principles matter, uh, and that it's more important to actually live a virtue than to just signal a virtue? Well, I think, I think our educational system, which has in, been in the hands of the Democrats for the past and liberals for the past 50-plus years, um, and I think our, our lamestream media has effectively caused people to, on the right, right of center, to believe that if they stick to their principles in public, that they can't win. They can't win. So they're, they're told, well, if you, if you go for, for this you know, ban on, on abortion, it, the Republicans are going to lose. So Republicans think, well, you know what, we might lose, so we have to moderate. We have, to, we have to reach across the aisle. And we haven't learned yet on the right that they keep moving the aisle further and further to the left. And the Democrats never reach back across. You've got to completely cross the aisle to go meet them before they even talk to you. And I think that's got to stop. And I think this is where, where McCarthy is going. And to be, to be frank... Yeah, you know, I'm surprised about McCarthy in how he's yeah. sticking to his guns. Uh, and, and I think that fight that he had at the beginning of the term uh, in order for him to become a speaker probably woke him up. And see, that's the exact kind of thing that we, the voter, people on the right, independents and Republicans, need to do with the rest of the politicians in D.C. and in state capitals. You've got to hold their their feet to the fire 
you've got to make sure that they understand that if they do not stick to their guns, if they do not do what you wish them to do, you're going to remove them. Yeah, absolutely, because there is no amount of uh, special interest, lobbyist money or bribes that makes its way to your account if you're not holding office. That's literally the only thing that can get these folks' attention sometimes. So uh, on the topic of sliding back to the debt ceiling and talking about sticking to our guns and standing on principle, uh, you made the point, and it's something I've talked about quite a bit over the years. There is a reason for the debt ceiling, and at some point we need to stop. We we need to have stopped doing continuing resolutions a long time ago and get back to the actual practice of passing and holding strict to budgets, You know, getting back to the way the government's supposed to run. Uh, it would be really nice if we could do that. But what would the electorate look like if – we were to have somebody to show up, run, and, and then follow through with the campaign promise of no more debt ceiling raises. We're going to find a way to live within where we're at now, and I want to try and start lowering that debt ceiling back to a place where it has been previously as a means to eventually get to a balanced budget. Is that something that could win in practice? I mean – in theory, somebody's going to hear it and probably dismiss it. Sounds like an empty promise. Could somebody actually do that given the pain that it would cause short term and still have a chance of winning re-election? I think yes, and I think we can look to some of the uh, red state governors that have done it. Uh, sure, it's on a much smaller scale, but it's the exact same principle. Yes, it can be done, and yes, there's a lot that we could cut where programs that we really that really do work, which aren't many, uh, that we really do want to keep, if we get rid of the waste, that is the main problem. Look, I live in a state that, that is, is consistently in the top five of being the best-run states in the country. We don't run deficits here in New Hampshire. We have balanced budgets. That right now, we have, a, we have a major surplus. And we don't have a personal income tax, and we don't have a sales tax. So how is it that we're able to do this? Now, we only got about one and a half million people here, but still, how are we able to do that without all these heavy taxes? And you've got one of the most taxed states in the union in California and New York, and they're both running massive budget deficits. It's not about the taxing. It's not about the income into the various treasuries. It's about the outgo. You've got to control that. And yes, it can be done, and it has been done before, even on the federal level. So, yeah, we can do it. We just have to have people that have the guts to do it and then say, well, this is why we're cutting. These programs don't work. They spend an awful lot of money. They waste an awful lot of money. Here's where we're going to put the money. And then, then once we get control of that, then somebody needs to come into office and say, you know what? How about we just go back to constitutional spending? Now, this really freaks people out because mm -hmm. then they start to say, well, that means we won't have federal welfare. Yeah, because it's unconstitutional. That's the pur purview of the states, not the Fed. We don't need that on a federal level. As a matter of fact, yeah. there's just massive – look what they did with the COVID money. How many people are out there that they're now you know, charging for, for – COVID fraud on, on, on some of the COVID loans and COVID money that just went out the door like water. And, and now people are, are being charged with fraud. 
and, and in some states that have gotten all this COVID money, now they're talking about using it for something that was that it wasn't even meant for. And people know what I'm talking about. We're talking about reparations. There are a number of states that are saying, yeah, we've got all this COVID money left over. Let's use it for reparations. That's not what it's for. If you didn't use it and you don't need it, you send it back. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and, and it's other pet projects too. California has been one of the uh, states trying to lead the charge for reparations. But uh, some other states, Illinois being one of them, uh, just recently suggested keeping their surplus and using that to help protect uh, transgender youth access to uh, gender-affirming care, a uh, great euphemism. But yeah, it, it's all their pet projects, and it's all the things that they're doing to try to help keep us divided as well. They love those labels, and they love to keep us arguing about the labels instead of uh, discussing what they're up to. And uh, you're absolutely right. The budgetary process, it hasn't worked like it's supposed to in a very long time at any level of government, uh, from the feds all the way down to your local municipalities. And that still comes down to accountability, and we're the ones that have to, to hold that accountability level. Uh, I know we had uh, talked a little bit briefly about how long you could stay with me. I don't want to dominate your time, but are you going to be able to hang into the uh, second part of the hour with me, uh, Rod? Sure. Sure. Be glad to. All right. All right. Uh, and thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to make too many assumptions. And Friday nights are a great night to just go do other stuff, too. So <laughs> there are certainly better ways than hanging out with me on the radio to, to spend a Friday night. I understand. But thank no, you so I'm much. Now. I'm, I'm getting old. So now, now I just spend a lot of time at home <laughs> or, or here in my Bunker Eye studio. So my wild days are over. Well, it's probably safer that way, considering some of the stuff going on out there. But uh, you're in one of the few states that seems to still maintain a, a high level of sanity. So you chose well as far as a place to live. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still I'm trying to wrap my mind around how far out some of these ideas are. Uh, you mentioned some of the fraud. Um, and then some of this extra spending. But uh, another side effect of all this extra money that was doled out during the COVID response also comes around to how it's negatively affected the economy. Uh, I just as – a, as an example, Rod, I, I spent some time looking at an auction site, and there were all kinds of really nice vehicles that were going for crazy cheap uh, – and they were all repos, and it was all COVID-related repos. It didn't take a whole lot of CSI involved there. We have an out-of-control spending situation where Joe Biden, since the minute he was installed as the uh, resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, he started attacking uh, the energy sector and the economy as a whole. And we have yet to feel the worst aspects of it because they found tricks and and accounting uh, techniques to try to avoid it. But there is still real pain coming down the the the, the pike here very soon. Uh, how bad do you think this could possibly be for the average American? Because I'm already feeling a lot of pain myself, and I like to think I was in a little bit better position than most of the average Americans. You know, I, I'm not an economist, um, but I, I do pay attention. Yeah. And I pay attention because I have a family, like you know, like everybody else out there. And 
It is one of the most difficult things to always try to predict, and I and I don't want people to think that I'm so, some sort of, uh, you know, soothsayer that can predict the future. But I can pay attention, and we know that we're, we're they're trying to get control of uh, this high inflation, which was induced by government overspending. It, that's I don't care who you are. You can say that's not the point or that's not the case, but historically speaking and looking at the evidence, that is exactly it. When people have money to spend or when government spends, that means the product or service becomes rarer. And we have a system of supply and demand. You couple that with when we had uh, just coming out of the COVID lockdowns and we had shortages of everything. We, ha we had transportation problems of getting products to, to stores and to people. That created an inflationary period. Now, historically speaking, every time we've had such an inflationary period, and this has been a record inflation level event, we've always gone into recession shortly thereafter. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at, look at the tea leaves and see, okay, uh, the government is doing a lot of spending behind the scenes. And uh, look at the, uh, the bank that just failed. Granted, that's an outlier. But what did the Fed do? They went above and beyond the $250,000 per account security and insurance and said, we'll just cover everything. You can't do that without there being some negative financial impact down the road. We're starting to see that. Even Wall Street isn't moving. I, I listen to financial programs all the time, and the, and, and the hosts are kind of saying, you know, that Wall Street's just boring. Not, nothing's moving. Well, nothing's moving because they're scared to death. They don't know how bad it's going to be. Now, it could be light. We might have a, a medium-hard landing, as they like to use the, uh, the, the flying acronyms. We might have a medium hard landing, but understand, I think that we're start we're start uh, going to start seeing and feeling a recession before summer's over. And I think it's going to probably get bad for a lot of people during the uh, the election cycle after the Christmas holiday season of uh, of twenty three. Yeah, and. and yeah. That could be a godsend. Now, I don't want financial pain. I don't want people to suffer. But it could be a godsend because if you have financial difficulty, if people are in financial difficulty, they usually blame the person in the White House. And they usually blame the person in the White House's party, which means by November, they're going to vote them out. People always vote with their pocketbook and their stomach. If they don't have money in their pocket and a chicken in the pot, they want change immediately. And that's when change usually happens. Uh, unfortunately, it usually doesn't last. But it, it, it should give us a chance. But I, I, I tell people, look, you need to hunker down. You need to pay off your debt. You need to save your money. You need to actually probably, you know, with these people wanting to start digital currencies all over the, all over, all over the world, you probably want to get some hard currency, not the paper money, fiat money in your, in your wallet, but get coin. And I, I don't mean you have to go out and buy gold coins, you know, $1,000 a coin or whatever, but get some coins yeah. and, and save your money. You got to be prepared. You know, you had uh, you know, your, one of your sponsors is, 
is a uh, is a preparatory uh, company, and people need to stock up on food. You're right. I mean, China. What did Egypt do in the Bible? They 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 knew something bad was coming, and they filled their storehouses with food, with grain, so they could survive the famine. Americans used to do that, but I think we've gotten too fat and happy and lazy, and I think we're in for a rude awakening for a lot of people. You know, those preppers, you know, the prepper shows that used to be popular not too long ago, but those those people are not looking so nut jobby right now, are they? <laughs> not at all. Rod, uh, let me uh, hit pause on that thought to you, sir. We're going to have to take our mid-hour break real quick, but uh, thank you so much for being here. Looking forward to picking up on the other side. Guys, don't go anywhere. Rod's He's just getting started. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hi, this is Derek Kenny, and you're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Recently, another American female expert on what real men are shared her observations. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's Face from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Ms. Sandy LaCroix stated to all the real men out there, Boys play house. Men build homes. Boys shack up. Men get married. Boys make babies. Men raise children. A boy won't raise his own children. A man will raise his and someone else's. Boys invent excuses for failure. Men produce strategies for success. Boys look for someone to take care of them. Men look for someone else to take care of. Boys seek popularity. Men earn respect by knowing how to give it. Boys quit and walk away when things get hard. Men will promise to love you through it all. The one problem I have is in America today, most females prefer either the Pookies and Ray Rays or Clamber. But the top 5% of all men who are wealthy meet their height standard of at least 6 feet and have looks equivalent to a young Elvis or a young Denzel Washington and overlook the many good, solid, decent American men now forced to leave the U.S. to find someone who appreciates them. Hmm. I'm Ron Edwards. Don't miss the Ron Edwards American Experience Talk Show, 3 p.m. Eastern weekdays via theronedwards.com. Being stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bimonthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. 
Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. Under just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons. This is Amy Hallam. This is AZ. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed sharing Friday night together. Of course, you got to hear some of the folks that are accustomed to hanging out in the chat room on a fairly regular basis with us. You, too, can be part of the chat room, being part of the Friday night live broadcast as we're going out around the world across many great platforms, more so than just the regular shows that happened on Sundays and Tuesdays, but the Friday night show is special because it's live. Before we get back to uh, this particular show, though, I uh, need to bring you one more message, the last one I promise for the day, from one of our sponsors. At Gold Code wants to make sure you are aware, you know, in case you haven't been paying attention, that there is a not-so-secret secret Fed bailout going on right now, and it is looking an awful lot like 2008 all over again, including a little bit of the next story that I want to kind of talk to uh, Rod Eccles about here in just a moment. But we're seeing banks collapsing. We're seeing executives taking big bonuses, and the whole while the White House runs to their rescue, not ours. Meanwhile, as regular people, we're out here, we're struggling, having a hard time paying the bills, definitely having trouble keeping the gas tank filled. And the Biden administration has the nerve to bail out the the money that the Fed sent to the accounts out in the Silicon Valley Bank. More than half of it went to just 10 accounts. 
it sounds like some pretty wealthy folks to me. And some of those folks had direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party. So who are they actually looking out for? It's not you and me, because guess who's paying for all that? That would be you and me. Yeah, we are. Uh, don't have to play that game anymore, though. There is a way to opt out of that particular system. You can move your cash into gold and silver right now before it's too late. Uh, give Gold Call a give Gold Co a call. Say that ten times fast. Evidently, I can't. <laughs> give them a call at eight five five three eight seven two nine three two and to learn the three simple steps that you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver and other precious metals as well. Go ahead and take action today to protect yourself and your family from financial collapse, you know, before the White House takes it all away. Uh, give a call. That number again is 855-387-2932 and learn how you could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. One more time, that number is 855-387-2932. And if you are listening to the podcast, well, then there will be a link in the show description that will take you to the wealth protection kit as well. So uh, what do you say we get back to the show now? Uh, that's enough of me trying to sell you stuff. For now, uh, be sure to, to follow through with it. But, yeah, that's enough. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have with you uh, a heck of a radio show host. He's tremendous. I've been a fan of his for a lot longer than I had an opportunity to have him be a guest. And he's been gracious enough to come on this show multiple times in the past. It's been way too long since the last time. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Rod Eccles Show, uh, Mr. Rod Eccles. Rod, again, I can't thank you enough for spending your Friday evening with me tonight. And uh, before we go further into anything else please let everybody know where they can find your work uh share any websites you want to share and as long as you're inviting people to follow you on any social media platforms that you prefer feel free to share any handles you'd like as well well i'm pretty difficult to find you know just said uh, rod eccles.net and rod eccles over on the rod eccles show over on facebook and uh, just about any other platform, although I am not on Truth Social yet. I did take a poll on my Facebook account asking people if I should get a Truth Social account, and the numbers came back, and they said I should, so I'll probably be getting one of those pretty soon. But you can catch me on Twitter, Gab, uh, well, Parlor's down, uh, Getter, MeWe, CloudHub, LinkedIn, all Rod Eccles. I make it very difficult for people. <laughs> well, it, it certainly sounds like it. You're just uh, you're, you're keeping everything on the DL, Rod, and uh, I guess that's a good way to to keep the powers that be from uh, targeting you. Uh, although it doesn't matter anymore. I, there's some pretty low level folks out there that are getting hammered. Uh, YouTube is on another uh, spree of demonetizing and attacking folks if they've bothered to tell the truth about uh, the biology of humans and all that stuff. It's insane what some of these platforms are doing, but uh, Rod, I, I wanted to continue talking about Biden and fiscal policies, but I wanted to talk about this story that has kind of come out this past week where they're making it clear they want to change the rules uh, in regards to interest rates on mortgages. They've literally come up with a scheme so that if you have better credit, if you played by the rules, if you've been fiscally responsible, if you've 
put in the work and sacrificed and scrimped and shaved. Now you get to help subsidize folks who haven't in an effort to increase home ownership. Once again, in the name of equity, which is never a term that should be used like this. Um, but all this, it just seems like a replay of every mistake that was made that led to the uh, financial issues back in 2007, 2008. They're trying to do the same things, and they're tripling and quadrupling down in some of them. But this one, it just feels like a step towards nationalizing all the banks to me because uh, once you get that camel's nose under the tent. But love to get your thoughts on this because I'm, I'm still in a head spin as far as it's concerned. Well, uh, they, you know, Japan has something that's quite interesting. They have 40 and 60 year mortgages. And, and now before people go, what? Well, you have to understand that, you know, in, in Tokyo, it is nearly impossible for uh, a family to purchase a home because it's so expensive. So what they do is, uh, is that they're able to have a multi-generational home where Two generations, obviously spending 40 to 60 years to pay it off, uh, will do that. But they did that for a specific reason because they believe in private ownership. Now, let me take you over to Geneva when Klaus Schwab says you will own nothing and like it. This is all designed to make it very difficult for you to own anything. If you're going to have to subsidize somebody else, are you really going to be that interested in buying a house or keeping your credit high? Um, Take a look at the the average price of cars. They've just shot up. They were under $30,000 in 2016, and now it's like $45,000 is the average price of of a new car. And if you're looking at these EVs, you're looking at $60,000, $80,000. Who can afford that? Well, this is why you can now buy a car with an eight-year car loan. Now, unlike a house, a car depreciates. So it's going to keep losing value while you still keep paying on it. This is all, this is all, this is sinister. Tim, this is all very sinister. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. As anybody knows me, I always tear apart conspiracy theories just just to prove a point. But when you're looking at what they're actually doing and what they're actually now saying, Now, if Schwab says you will own nothing by 2030 and you will like it, then that's not a conspiracy anymore. And when you start seeing all the moves that the Democrats and the Biden administration are making and doing to make things more expensive and more difficult for you to buy, and everybody is getting used to having to pay things on a monthly basis every month without fail. I mean, from your cell phone to your streaming to all the subscriptions you might have to whatever, you know, Amazon, and everybody keeps jumping on the band. All these companies keep jumping on the bandwagon for these subscription products and services. Even BMW has a a couple of their models where you have to subscribe on a monthly basis to utilize the options that you thought you bought in the car. And if you stop paying the subscription, well, that option in the car will stop working. Well, who owns the car? So we're being slowly, uh, you call it the, the, the frog in the pot, and they're turning, up the, they're turning up the heat. And we have got to be aware of this so we can stop it. And, and you or me, if our credit is high, you know, you're in the 700s or 800s, 
and you're paying your bills on time and your your jack off next door neighbor decides to goof off but he wants to buy a house and his credits is 600 and the 500s and you're going to have to subsidize him well that doesn't make any sense because eventually you know he's going to lose the house and then your house because you're subsidizing him is also going to be in danger yeah yeah i'm still trying to wrap my mind around uh, the even the concept of how they can do this legally uh, i i don't understand the mechanisms uh, the the games that are playing here and it certainly doesn't seem to be something that would be fair which i always thought was one of those words that the Democrats like to throw around, and of course they define fairness just like they define everything else, very differently than most of us that use the English language. But it's just so astounding that they want to penalize producers. Uh, it's you, we might as well be taking scenes out of Atlas Shrugged at this point because those of us that are doing the things that are required to be productive members of society are no longer uh, being incentivized to do that. The incentives, as you rightfully pointed out and all part of the uh, economic forum, the global economic forum's plans, uh, is to disincentivize work ethic and uh, doing the right thing and to incentivize becoming totally dependent on the state. And it's, it is insidious. It, it's not a conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy, but there's nothing theoretical about it. We're seeing it right in front of our eyes. And like I said at the, the beginning of the conversation on this topic, we it's not like we don't have a history to compare it to. It's not like we haven't seen some of the things that they're attempting to do now and how they fail miserably but they constantly go back to their same argument with socialism slash communism well it's never worked because it hasn't really been tried oh it's been tried it's been executed mm. it's just a bad plan it doesn't work well for the people uh, just it's so astounding uh before we run out of time there was one more topic i wanted to make sure that we got to uh a non-financial topic uh but one i have a feeling you're going to have a lot to say about uh we have a, an irs whistleblower that's trying to negotiate testifying in regards to cover-ups and political manipulation into the hunter biden investigation we now have uh mike morrell a former head at the cia coming forward and saying point blank that Anthony Blinken came to him and asked him to say that the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. Obviously, again, political manipulation to cover up the, the truth. Where do you feel like this is going and what should the rightful outcomes be, in your opinion? What is a good outcome uh, for these investigations and as it's revealed how deep the cover-up has gone? Well, uh, I've got a historical reference for you. Uh, maybe a lot of young people won't understand this, but look it up. Watergate. Yeah. This, this is far worse than Watergate ever thought about being. And we know that the... The, the reason why everybody's now switched their tune about the laptop is because Hunter Biden himself 
admitted it was his. You know, he hired a lawyer and he was he was going to sue that that poor man that that uh, that he left his laptop to fix it and left it there uh, without paying him. So, you know, by all rights, legally, the laptop became his. Uh, so when he decided, well, I'm going to sue you for breach of, uh, you know, the privacy and all that kind of stuff. Well, you can't do that if it's not yours. Well, it is mine. Thank you very much, Mr. Hunter Biden. So all of that garbage that we all, first of all, we already knew that. We already knew that the laptop was real. We already knew that the stuff on it was real. And if the stuff on it is real, I, you know, we, Trump had 34 ridiculous counts levied against him in an indictment. Oh, I think Biden on that laptop alone is well over 34. Real federal charges could come out of those. Will anything actually happen, though? You know, I got to tell you, I will believe it when I see him sitting in a court defending himself against criminal charges. Until then, I don't believe it. I don't believe it's going to happen. And that's sad to say, but we have gotten to the point now when half the country is more equal than the other half. And you can do, I mean, just look, look at the riots. Look at the BM, uh, BLM and and uh, Antifa riots during the summer of love. You know, uh, you know, we had people were murdered during those riots. Hardly anybody got prosecuted on the left. But hell, they're after some 2,000 to 2,500 people that were on January 6th that that didn't that just stepped inside the door and stood there at the ca- on the Capitol Hill. Oh no, we can't have this. This is a, a threat to our democracy. No, they you can't attack the power. Even if you just stood there and did nothing, even if you stuck your head in it, they're looking for you, and they're throwing the book at you. But hey, Hunter Biden, BLM, Antifa, they can do uh, wreak all kinds of mayhem. You know, it's okay, or it's Russian disinformation. Um, it's not real. What you saw on TV on Fox News, well, Fox is terrible. You know, it's all those, like Jerry Nadler said, all those Antifa protests, they were mostly peaceful. What you're seeing on Fox News is a lie. It's become so unequal. And this, well, this is why Trump is very dangerous or anybody like him. And, you know, people talk about, well, uh, you know, Trump would, would get in there and he'd clean clean house. Well, I'm not sure they're gonna let Trump win. Well, then, then we'll make sure that DeSantis is, no, DeSantis is younger, he's got more energy than Trump, and Trump's got a lot of energy, and he can last a lot longer. Do you think they're not gonna go after him even harder than they did Trump? They're already trying. So, no, I don't foresee any, unless there is real regime change in the White House and in the deep state agencies like the Department of Justice, that there is not real change there, very little to nothing is going to happen to the Bidens. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate, and part of me can't help but wonder if maybe 
they're willing to sacrifice Hunter and use that as a bargaining chip to to nudge Biden out of the way as they move forward with somebody else because uh, it has become very difficult to deny the fact that on cognitive capability alone, Joe Biden has no business uh, having any proximity to the nuclear football. Forget any other aspect of his job responsibilities. But it, it is a situation where well, how do you even clean up the and clean out and drain the swamp, as they uh, were saying for so long? Uh, because everybody you replace somebody with seems like they're part of the swamp, too. Uh, we thought we were getting somewhere with uh, Christopher Ray taking over at the FBI. It seems to be worse. Uh, more protection of the institution, which means more cover-up of what they've been doing. Uh, I... I would like to see some accountability, but it needs to be real accountability. It, it needs to be something that goes beyond the surface. It needs to be something more than the slap on the wrist. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Just the fact that they have went after Donald Trump with this ridiculous uh, indictment in New York that even most Democrats, a hard die-in-the-wool Democrats that are political uh, activists, they look at this and they're like, nah, this is pretty weak tea. Uh, it, it's a guy who has political aspirations, who thinks he can run in New York by saying, I was the first guy to bring an indictment against Trump. And sadly, in New York, that is probably enough to get elected as governor. Uh, so who knows how that plays out. But have we really gotten to the point that we can't reverse that damage? Are we really at the point where we have a two-tier legal system as well as everything else? And we're running quickly out of time, Rod. So if you want to sum that up quickly, is, is there a solution to this hyper-politicalness uh, that involves something other than just a complete reset? Well, I think it's going to take some sort of a reset. Will we ever get to the point of having a complete reset? Not without a bloody revolution, no. And I do not advocate that. Absolutely not. But what has to happen is like people like you and I, our voices have to still be out there. We have to be telling the truth. And people have to listen to that truth. And then they have to go act on it. They have to go into the into the voting booth. They have to look for people within their community because all politics is local. Start at your freaking school board. Find people or be that person who's a conservative that gets elected to local office because that flows up. You got to start local. We always look at this thing as like it's a giant elephant that we got to eat. Well, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So start local, folks. That's what you got to do. Either yourself or somebody that you know, you gotta get involved. You gotta run for office, even if it's just dog catcher. I don't care. You gotta run for it. You gotta win it. You gotta tell the truth. You gotta be active. You can't. We can no longer afford just to sit by, and be, uh, you know, like we're watching a TV show or a movie. We 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 can't be in the audience anymore. We've got to be on the screen. Get active. And with that, we will have to bring things to a close. Rod, promise me that uh, we're going to get back together uh, sooner rather than later because something tells me with upcoming primary season, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Can we do that, sir? Absolutely. It's going to get fun. All right. Uh, thank you again. Real quick, less than a minute, one more time. Remind everybody where they can find you. 
Just go to RodEccles.net, folks, E-C-C-L-E-S, RodEccles.net. All right. Thank you so much, Rod, and we will be in touch, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Rod Eccles. He is the host of the Rod Eccles Show, and he is uh, still one of the coolest conservative black men on the planet, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, And you know what? I'm looking at the clock, and we're pretty much done, period. We're pretty much done, period. That means i got to say bye for now. And, you know, I hate that. But on the other hand, it means you guys are on your way to having a great, fantastic weekend, and I hope you do exactly that. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And, uh, you know, have a great weekend, everybody. We're out. in both using both hands.